Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 15th, yeah, 2016. This is Tech Talk Today, episode 236. My name is Chris. Right there, you heard her. That's Ange. <laughs> Here I am. Oh my gosh, it's Angela Fisher, everybody. Hello, Ange. Hi. So we have a great lineup of stories today on the Tech Talk Today program, which has been slightly devastated. And when I mean devastated, I mean gutted from the inside. Our mumble room. Actually, just magically filled up. Really yeah, 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 I know, right? <laughs> time appropriate. You said to ask for participation. Mumble room. Hello. Hi there, guys. Hi. Good morning. Wow. Wow. Right. So I swear, I swear to the people listening yeah. at home, when we started the episode, there was like, like 30 seconds ago. There was one other person in, <laughs> in the mumble room. Daylight savings is a monster. All right, Angela. Well, let's get into the news this week.、Uh, the big story today, because it's really the one we'll all look back and remember. Remember this moment. Google's AI, its artificial intelligence, has won its fifth and final game against the Go genius Lee Sedul. Have you, have you heard about any of the stuff that's no, going on right but now? That's a horrible font. Oh,、uh, yeah. Well, that's Wired going, you know, Wired's going crazy these days. So, Ange, this is a pretty interesting thing here.、Uh, Google has this DeepMind project, uh, uh, and it's, they have this project called AlphaGo. <laughs> and、uh, it has been playing a game against a Go master. Now, Go is a special kind of game that is sort of based on intuition, so that's why it's, it's kind of amazing that the computer is doing as well as it is.、Uh, so, after suffering its first defeat,、uh, the Google DeepMind Challenge match on Sunday, the Go playing AI AlphaGo has beaten world class player Lee for a fourth time to win the five game series four to one overall. Uh, AlphaGo is an AI developed by Google owned British company DeepMind and has already wrapped up a historic victory on Saturday by becoming the first ever computer program to beat the top level Go player.、Hmm. The win came after a bad mistake early in the game, according to the DeepMind founder, leaving AlphaGo trying hard to crawl it back. And by winning the final game despite its blip in the fourth, AlphaGo has demonstrated beyond a doubt that its superiority over one of the world's best Go players, reaffirming a major milestone for artificial intelligence in the process. That is cool. But, you know, humans are flawed. Like a computer, it was, it's way easier for it to consider different moves, all the different alternative、uh, it's, moves. It's interesting you say that, actually,、uh, because that is actually kind of a big part of this.、Uh, it, is, it is easy for a computer to just actually, in fact, part of the problem is it might be too easy. For a computer, a computer could get lost in looking at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds、mm. of possible moves. And that's actually one of the things that makes AlphaGo interesting.、Uh, and, and since I can't really explain it very well, there is a, a video over on The Verge. I'll, have the, I'll play a bit of this so you guys can get their take on it, which does explain it pretty well. Artificial intelligence that has seemingly mastered the game Go 10 years earlier than predicted. Sure, computers have mastered games many times before chess, checkers, Monopoly, and even Clue. These games, however, are based on brute force search, basically, a quick analysis of all options. The ancient Chinese game of Go isn't so simplistic, however. Go is played on a grid of 19 horizontal by 19 vertical lines. The players place white or black stones along these lines to try to surround their opponent's pieces. Once a stone is placed, it can't be moved and surrounding an opponent's piece captures their stone. This game leaves open millions of possible outcomes. So, millions.、Here. Programming a computer to understand nearly infinite possibilities has proven challenging. In order to create AlphaGo, scientists narrowed the options using neural networks. 
AlphaGo uses two of these neural networks, a policy network and a value network. The policy network lets the computer consider a handful of promising moves, while the value network narrows the search depth so the computer is only thinking about 20 moves ahead instead of hundreds. So there you go. Essentially, wow. it's a more human way of thinking. This sort of ability to one-up humans at a game requiring a lot of intuition and true skill shows we're getting closer to human-like AI faster than we ever imagined. So there you go. That's the the Verge video explains it pretty well, and that's why it's kind of a significant thing. And Mumbrum, anybody in the uh, Mumbrum have any thoughts about this sort of uh, wider and wider uh, AI capacity we're seeing? Uh, IBM has Watson and the Watson Initiative, which is sort of uh, becoming world famous now for its artificial intelligence. It was on Jeopardy. You have now uh, AlphaGo here, which interestingly enough is winning because it's able to reduce the amount of possibilities it considers. Kind of getting to be a weird spot we're in. What do you think, Ange? I think it's kind of cool. I think right now, I think our lifetime, it's, it's going to never really go beyond anything other than extremely helpful. I can't, mm-hmm. I, you know, so often uh, technology has felt so stupid. Like it just, mm-hmm. if it just had just yeah. a slight understanding of my intention, it could do such a better job sometimes. Uh, and interfaces could be so much more intuitive and, and, and but it really have to be genuinely smart. It can't be this... Uh, algorithm where we've monitored your previous activity and have sort of sussed out what we think you like. So here oh. we're showing you things you might want to buy. Kind like of. Facebook ads. Yeah, it can't <laughs> be. It's got to be good, right? Yeah. And so this could actually make it good. you got to figure, though, down the road, as these things get smarter and smarter, won't we eventually become nuisances? Because we are always going to be the slowest input. We're always going to be holding the process up. And eventually, it's just going to be a lot more efficient to bypass the humans and talk super intelligence to super intelligence. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's industrial design, too. You know, like um, uh, the industry is completely being replaced by the slowest thing, which is us. And, uh, Ham, you pointed out that Microsoft has made a recent AI announcement, too, hasn't it? Exactly, Ange. That's a great point. Uh, Ham, you you, – go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say that I just read an uh, article or two a little while ago that Microsoft pointed out that they're using Minecraft and Minecraft players to train AI. Yeah, so what they're doing – and this is just a rough example because I barely understand it. But what they're doing is say you need to teach artificial intelligence the concept of climbing a mountain or climbing a hill or going through a hallway and go in entering a doorway. Well, you could build a robot and then put a computer on that robot and then put the artificial and put cameras and, and sensors and and somehow get the computer to just run this, run through these hallways over and over and over again with the AI on their learning or you just put the AI in a Minecraft world as like a player character hmm. and tell it to go climb that hill. And you build the appropriate hill in Minecraft, and then the computer learns how to climb a hill. Interesting. Because it is in the it is really in the Minecraft world. Hmm. And it can learn from Minecraft, and that's what Microsoft's were. And they're going to open. I don't know if they're open. they're not. Are they open sourcing? What was that? What what was the uh, Microsoft AI? Because I, I, I was just briefly reading that, uh, and it just sounds bananas to my face. Yeah. So it's uh, boy. If, 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 if I did not expect Microsoft to go, I was just thinking recently, what the hell are they doing with Minecraft? Uh, yeah, so they say using the game to test the AI's ability to teach itself a set of rules, established approach, but uh, most games used so far have been fairly simple. In February last year, Google's DeepMind, the one we were just talking about, uh, taught itself to play f- uh, a 49 Atari games. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's so, wow, DeepMind a year ago was learning Atari games and now it's beat and go. Whoa. 
Oh, geez, that that's a lot to think about when you when you, so it's called AIX. Microsoft's this is what the, it's called Project AIX. Uh and Microsoft told BBC News, so rather than have a situation where uh, the AI sees itself or the AI sees an avatar of itself, it can actually be inside, looking at through the eyes of something that is in the living Minecraft world. We think this is an essential part of building this kind of general intelligence. Wow. <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> the game our kids play. Well, and you. Yep. And most people listening play. A lot yeah, of people listening right? play. <laughs> uh, so this has really blown my face. And I think they're uh, – does it say what the price is? They say they're opening up the game to computer scientists who want to train AI programs. So I guess if you qualify, uh, let's see, how to allow, uh, uh, let's see, create AIX, an open source platform. Well, I, I got to look more into this. This is really interesting. I'll try to maybe read up more about this before Unplugged because uh, you can see why I didn't actually officially put it in the, in the show, but it does totally line up with what we're talking about here. The AI is real. Uh, here's another little thing. Games are kind of microcosm of the outside world. That's why games were invented. That's why humans find it fun to play. There's a rich history of um, computer tackling board games. It started with games like Backgammon, Drafts, and then finally there was Deep Blue in 97 that beat Kasparov at chess. I remember that was one. a huge watershed moment for game AI. Since then, the really big uh, remaining sort of holy grail, if you like, has been Go. In chess... The number of possible moves, it's about 20 for the average position. In Go, it's about 200. Another way of viewing the complexity of Go is that the number of possible configurations of the board is more than the number of atoms in the universe. Wow. What? Well, yeah. If you ask a great Go player why they played a particular move, sometimes they'll just tell you it felt right. So you can, the one way you can think of it is that Go is a much more intuitive game, uh, whereas chess is a much more logic-based game. AlphaGo is our program to actually try and crack Go. We played the European champion Fan Wei in a five-game match. We have an estimate of how strong a program is. But of course, you never know. When you play um, a human player, um, they do all sorts of very interesting creative things that um, your programs don't necessarily do. So there's always an unknown. When we play the first game, I lose. Interesting. I think he was a bit stunned after the first game, and I think he was unsure as to whether he hadn't prepared enough or whether the program was really strong. Huh. Isn't yeah. That something? Oh, yeah, no, I can I could see being Ooh. humbled, you know, <laughs> getting beat at your own craft. I get uh, I get uh, some I get some exciting and interesting feels about that one. Mumbroom, uh, any closing thoughts before we go into another direction that also is a little well, this is apparently the mind blowing episode of Tech Talk today. So going once, Mumbroom, going twice. Moving on to something that's incredible. Uh, something else that's incredible. <laughs> uh, incredible images, actually. Reveal the bacterial motor parts in unprecedented, in unprecedented detail. These nanoscopic 3D images have revealed how different bacteria have geared and tiny propeller motors for a wide range of swimming abilities. Can, do you, can you see that there? Do you see that there? So... Uh, you see, wow. how, you see how much that bo- the base of this thing looks like a gear, and that looks like yeah. a bolt that goes yeah. in there. Uh, it's so interesting, like how many things that we, when you look at, there's a, some stuff that we have designed and created is is inspired by nature. Mm-hmm. Some things we have created on our own, and then we have discovered later on that it matches what's naturally occurred in nature. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those cases. And it's, it's a USO, an unidentified swimming object. Yeah, really. If you <laughs> if you saw a big version of that in real life, oh yeah. 
That would it's be, alien. Yes, yeah. it's very alien. It it um it uh, looks like a cartoon thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's partially because they 3D image it and they they color I know, it in different but colors. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's just wow. The colors they use are very bold, and they want them to stand out. Uh, so yeah, and you know, they scientists have wondered why do these tiny things swim so differently. And uh, they apparently, they even work on a rotational mechanism, spinning their long uh, flanglial tail to produce a <laughs> propeller-like motion. The strong swimmers have evolved by adding extra parts to their motors, making them more powerful motors and increased turning force and torque. I'm talking about bacteria here, people. I'm talking about bacteria. Link in the show notes if you want to read more about that. A little, little, little side-bite moment for you there. A little side-bite moment. Uh, this has been interesting for... What's the matter, Andrews? Oh, nothing. I just keep... I keep hearing, I think, Rakai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right there. All right. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. All right. So what do you think about this one? Microsoft is going to allow Xbox gamers to play against PlayStation 4 gamers and PC players. It is about time. I know, right? Oh, my gosh. They should have done know? this with Xbox One's launch. Because everybody, that's the first thing you have to think of is, oh, okay, which friends have that box? And, oh, okay, I won't be able to play that. You just don't even have to. Huge buy Yes, here, I can play. What? I think developers have to enable it on their end. So uh, oh, games so have to be individually enabled on the XBizzle. Ah, and I think X-Bizzle. probably same thing on the on the desktop sure. and same on the on the PlayStation. But and yeah, hmm. I honestly thought I honestly thought Sony would be the first one to do this. Hmm. Um I'm a, I'm a, I got to tell you it it makes me a little more inclined to say the Xbox One just became a little more competitive. Uh, anybody in the mumble room considering an Xbox One now or have an Xbox One? Anybody? No. Nope. I have an Xbox One. What do you think? Is this a is this a, an, an exciting development for you, or are you now you're going to get trounced by PC gamers when you're playing on your console? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm primarily a PC gamer, but yeah, I'd be uh, pretty excited to play some of my PS4 friends. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? J- just some cross-console gameplay would be so great. Well, it's kind of... Because, uh, I mean, things like Battlefield 4 or um, Call of Duty and whatnot, since they have their own servers, it amazes me that they haven't opened it up to those servers already for those games. And a go-go in the chat room says that uh, they will turn it back after PC gamers win all the rounds. Ah! <laughs> Aha, WW wow. got info on the PS4. Take it, sir. They've had it for, since 2013, so they've had this for a while. But it's probably dependent on, on, on the game. The games. Yeah. And now uh, the thing is, though, is that Sony's going to have to enable integration with Xbox Live. Like that, like Sony has to do more work now to make it. I don't think it just. It's it's like you. It's not like Microsoft's allowing you just to connect to any IP address in the game. I think it's like it has to be people who partner up with Microsoft to work with Xbox Live, and so Sony has to. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if they talked to Sony before they announced this. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I think no. I now think. all of a sudden their their PR department's like, what What do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we confirm this? We're, do, are we working I, on this? The fact that the PS4 lets you play on um, against PC gamers is pretty cool. Makes me want to, well, makes me, makes me want a PlayStation 4 now. Hey, Ange, can we get a play? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so there's, there's, your, uh, there's your good Microsoft story. Now here's your bad Microsoft story. Windows 7 users have been complaining of unprovoked Windows 10 auto upgrades. Now, get this one. Now, I, I, I obviously don't have any Windows 7 computers, but uh, this is what the article states. Uh, the, and this is mostly patched together by user reports. On Patch Tuesday, there was a patch that came down that was like part of patching Internet Explorer and other recommended updates. And the OS. <laughs> that, yeah, that actually downloaded Windows 10 
and pre-accepted the EULA because it had considered your acceptance of the patches as acceptance of the EULA. Oh, my god! Now, these reports are – I just can't even imagine this. I can't even imagine this. But I guess this guy, this report, this guy reports that when he stepped away from his computer after starting the automatic uh, Windows update process, he came back to the Windows 10 welcome screen where he had an accept or decline, and it's the EULA option, and then he could, you know, he could decline it. But it just he came back to his computer, booted into Windows 10. That's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine that? No, I can't even. Now I can't. I just, I guess, so unfathomable to me. I can't even believe it. Uh, but there are several articles reporting this, um, and I would be. Yeah, they say this is all part of Microsoft's plan, of course. Last October, the company announced that it would uh, reclassify Windows 10 as a recommended update. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it was intentional. Yeah, the reclassification began huh. February 1st. Auto upgrades have been rolling out, so it's, it's a rollout, ever since. That's why it's, like, trickling in. If complaints are reaching a higher volume now, perhaps it's because the rollout is getting more aggressive. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I should probably... Uh, I don't know, like, should we say something in some of our shows or something? Because we should probably get the word out about that. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a really aggressive upgrade. Yeah. You know, it's Microsoft, I don't, oh, look at this. I don't want to, I don't want to really uh, rail on Microsoft a whole bunch here. But, you know, I just, I just remembered the other day because I was talking to a, a user who has uh, a, 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 was considering getting, um, I think it was like the Surface Pro or something, and they want to know about Windows 10. Oh, they say, I see it shipped with Windows 10. Well, I have Windows 8 on my computer. Before I move all my data over, should I upgrade it to Windows 9 first? That was the question. I'm like, what? Windows 9? There's no Windows. Oh, you don't. Yeah, you see, Microsoft was so embarrassed by what a train wreck Windows 8 was that they named their new product Windows 10 just to give it distance. And, and, and the response was, oh, that, oh, that's too bad. I'm like, what? It seems kind of desperate. You know what? This seems very desperate, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This And uh, I think some people on YouTube have been desperate. This YouTube video here, uh, 60,000 views, Ange. <laughs> I wonder what this one's about. Let's see what this guy's. Morning, guys. Jimmy Sif here. Uh, I've got a bit of a weird little vlog here. So today is, uh, what is today? Let's see. <laughs> Wednesday, March 9th, 2016. Um, I'm currently... Recording this on my phone, but <laughs> it's propped up against my monitor, so I can't really show you. But my desktop computer that I built by hand in like late 2012, uh, September 2012, uh, has been running Windows 7 for th- that period of time. However- and I want to stop right there. So, you know, you think about this as a PC gamer or as a PC enthusiast, oh, yeah. you build your own computer to have full control. So you don't have vendors like like Lenovo or or HP putting like super fish certificates in there or anything like you build it. So that way you don't have these weird upgraders running in the background. You build it to have total control. And then when you decide you want Windows 7, you stay there because it works for you for a certain reason. And that is now what is that like almost four years? Jeez, I got to upgrade my computer. Uh <laughs> But, no, it's like three and a half. But anyway, so oh I, on Monday night, I had an indoor soccer game. I went, and my indoor game was at like 10.30. I come back home, and my computer, I like jiggle the mouse, thing <laughs> pops up, uh, you know, my screen comes up, comes, you know, comes back on, and suddenly I'm running Windows 10. And I'm like, What? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You, how frustrating that is and, like, no governance over your own computer. Right. So, and no idea of what the compatibility will be and no backup before and, like, the, yeah. I, it, it, 
pretty. You know, they went to Windows 10, which aligns with like um, OS 10, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, Apple has been doing pretty good about having their major OS upgrades in the App Store, or, in, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. I feel like this is another attempt to follow that except that apple has never forced the update like that yeah it does neg you like an sob that's for sure yeah yeah yes either way spyware yeah (laughs) so uh you know what this is a good probably a good moment to mention linux fest northwest maybe if you're looking for a different alternative and you want to get a flavor of it so Ange, are you cognizant are you aware are you hip to are you current are you up to speed (laughs) are you under the understanding of Awareness. Wow. <laughs> okay, I lost it. Uh, uh, what the uh, Emma versus Noah situation is? Are you are you familiar with the situation? No. Ah, uh, see now, what you should be about? watching Linux Action Show. Yeah. Uh, so Emma from System Seventy Six. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Noah. Yeah. They both believe that they can convert more people to Linux. Oh, this is great. On a run, on like okay. And so. Uh, they're throwing down at Linux Fest Northwest. We're probably going to like do a dinner okay. because they want to convert people outside of Linux Fest. Oh, okay. But see, this here's the thing, Ange. Emma has the entire weight of System76 behind her. Yeah. She has people that call in every single day that want to buy Linux computers. They mm-hmm. sell Linux computers, and they have a support line to help people once they've switched. Right. She has swag planned mm-hmm. to bring, to mm-hmm. convert people, to mm-hmm. charm them. Okay. She has an army already. Okay. So Noah's got a pretty good plan. Mostly he's going to give people SSDs that switch to Linux. So that's a pretty solid plan. Okay. But uh, he doesn't have an army. And so uh, since this show is not Linux Action Show, I feel like I can I, – I can, I, I, what I'm saying, Ange, is <laughs> we need to compel our army to get behind Noah. And yes. what I would suggest is if you're in the Pacific Northwest area and you or someone in your social circle has not yet switched to Linux – Come have dinner with us and bring them. Right. We need to set up now. So we need to set up a meetup uh, at uh, like a um, uh, maybe the night of the 23rd. Okay. Saturday. Well, we need to make sure they're about the after parties that they do. I know. Yeah. yeah so you, sure and, you, yeah. you know she yeah. probably worked that out. And then yeah. we need to set up a date and we need to get a meetup as soon as possible. Yeah. Because we need to, people need to know when to show up. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, get the word out there. And don't sit at Emma's table. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, we need to figure so, this out. Will she be there at the same time, or is this an independent Yeah, thing? no, I think it's – well, you should ask Noah, but I okay. think it's going to be – got to figure that out because I think it's going to be at the same place. Okay. And I don't know how they're going to do this exactly because you can't right? go around interrupting people's meals. So we've got to get all the details figured out. And here's the <laughs> thing. We've got to get all figured out as soon as possible okay. so that way we can get the meetup page. Yeah. I guess we could get a meetup established before we know the location, but it seems yeah. like we really should. Yeah. Anyways, it's going to be a great Linux Fest. We're going to be doing live shows uh, Saturday and uh, Sunday, I guess, from there. We'll be doing last live from there. We'll have the booth going. Uh, so if you're going to be at Linux Fest Northwest, do make it out if you can. Yes. We'd love to see you there. And if you are going to be there, come say hi. There might be some swag at the booth and stuff like that. Hey, and just before we move on, I also want to mention our Patreon, patreon.com slash today's where we are raising funds for the whole dang network. And we're trying to do this more and more from an audience base. So that way we can really lean on our audience instead of having to lean on sponsors when we want to do things like expansions or new shows. And the reason for that is just – like as a arbitrary example, there's really millions of them and I could do shows and shows about it. But one arbitrary reason that I like to mention from time to time because it's one of my favorite. When we are pointed towards our audience for funding, when it comes time for us to create a new show, there's a lot of different ways you can think about how to do that show. 
And if your primary goal is to generate revenue via sponsorships, and if that's what your business model dictates, that has to be your primary goal when creating a new show because it has to be sustainable for the business to be sustainable. You literally model the layout and, and, and format of that show to accommodate sponsorship. Think about that for a yeah. second. You have to figure out where – and if it's for YouTube, you have to figure out where you can cleverly place it. So I like the, 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 the traditional styles of cold open coming up on this week's episode or on today's episode of Linus Tech Tips. Ha, 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 blah, 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 blah. But first – and then they do an ad and then Linus comes back and then they do the segment. Like that's a very typical YouTube format. Or you see like in the Linux Action Show, we have slots for segments or in, in Linux Unplugged, it's based on how long or how much content we've done in, and then we take breaks in between as sort of uh, a segment stoppers to move in between segments and you sort of move, you have an uh, ebb and a flow. And then there are some shows when you were creating them from scratch, it's just – it's so much – it's so much more organic and natural to just think, well, what the hell would make a really good show? And not what would be really appealing to sponsors and how do we structure Just what makes a great show? And, when, and, and what's going to make the people at patreon.com slash today happy? And when you think about it that way, I think you sometimes end up with a totally different end product. And when you have at the very base that sort of infrastructure level decisions about how you assemble a show, I don't think it can – it's got to it's gotta make a long-term impact on, on that show. And so it, it makes a long-term difference in the kind of show you get as an audience and the kind of content that you get to listen to. But the only way we can get there is by having our audience support us at patreon.com slash today. And we are just getting started there. What you see there – is sort of a first pass at this concept. We've had a lot of time to think about it. We're just we're just focusing on Linux Fest first, and then after Linux Fest, hopefully things will settle and we will start to refocus on this. Uh, and you'll start to see more of our intention there. But for right now, trust me, it's a great place to go if you want to support content like ours. Patreon.com slash today. Thanks to all of you there who do support the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. Okay, Andrews, are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you geared up? Yes. For our Kickstarter of the week. Okay. So Angela brought this one to the group today. Prepare yourselves. This, I'm just guessing since I didn't do any research, is a smart-enabled, Bluetooth-powered, what? Wi-Fi-connected skillet. What? <laughs> the field skillet, a lighter, smoother cast iron, right? I mean, since this is on the Tech Talk Today show, I'm assuming this thing must have some sort of no. weird, like, internet-connected... super obsessed with cast iron cookware. Me too, yeah. I but pretty much use cast iron pans for everything. I got, got know, a QR like reader. Baking it, roasting it, frying it, sautéing it. That's all you need. It's worth cooking 100 meals in to get it to that level where you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's my pan. And it connects to my Wi-Fi? It's one of a few objects that you will have forever. Oh, that's good looking. That makes me hungry. We've designed the field skillet to take all the best features of vintage cast iron and then add a modern twist. We've spent a year researching, designing, and refining this pan. You know, it took a bunch of prototypes. It took prototypes in plastic. It took prototypes in iron. It took 3D printed sand prototypes. Um, it took cooking with those prototypes. It took holding the handles in plastic and in foam and then in iron and just feeling the way that it felt in your hand and saying, does this click? It's smooth. It's light. It's got a good handle. But to me, this pan is almost 100% in the details. The weight has been calculated to be the exact amount you need to both want to use it every day, but also to keep the heft in for your heat retention. And then we just put an obsessive level of detail into the small things that you probably won't notice, but they're there. 
When we first started this project, we weren't sure what to expect. And we've been incredibly fortunate to have built this dream team around us that makes us feel like anything is possible. Another big thing for us was that this is a family project. This is my brother and me. We felt like, hey, we're stamping our name oh, on this going. thing. Let's make sure that that stands for something. So what, we've got into uh, a place where we're incredibly happy think, with the way that it feels, what drew the way you? that it looks, and the emotional response that it gets from everyone that we show it to. What drew you to this uh, special cast iron? I was surprised to see a cast iron, uh, the field skillet, a lighter, smoother cast iron. Now, uh, the chat room is cringing when they hear the word uh, lighter in a cast iron. But they're saying they calculated it just perfectly. What was it? Uh, I don't know. I just, I you know, you, there's a cast iron pan that we have or skillet or whatever out in the garage, but it's too big. And it's mm-hmm. too heavy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know much about it. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. But uh, one draw is I, um, you know, I, I have... Um, a warm antibody in my blood that kills healthy red blood cells. So I'm subject to anemia pretty easily. And one of the suggestions that I was given, you know, battling that even, even worse while I was pregnant yeah. is, yeah, using a cast I remember iron that. skillet. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I, I do, I mean, just based visually, it is a very, it's, it is very appealing visually, mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. cast iron. And it's deep, two inches. And um, I don't know. It just it it looked like a good one to back. Like, so uh, first production run, which is all gone, was uh, start looks at eighty five bucks, ninety bucks, all gone, ninety. And then there's another one, ninety bucks. The third production run, July twenty sixteen, ninety bucks for a cast iron. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think it would be worth it. Yeah, I think for a good cooking, you know, uh, you know, the nice thing about a cast iron too. Is you know you know as you know it's what you need. Uh, what as you know sometimes when you use regular utensils on the barbecue it destroys them. As, mm-hmm. or you, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. But you can legitimately just throw a cast iron on the grill and yeah. it, uh, no big. I know that's why like it, living in an RV like yeah. it's, it's it's perfect because you, you're going to have campfires, you're yeah. going to have a barbecue, you're yep. going to have uh, a, a cooking indoor. You know, it in- says it's lighter than a MacBook Pro. Mumble room. Anybody in there? A cast iron snob? Do you think it's possible to have a uh, a? I guess it would be what a two pound. How is that possible? How could you? They, I mean, they obviously have tested for it. What do you guys think? Is this? this is an interesting Kickstarter? Would you back something like this? I might. We use a lot of Kickstarter for cooking, and we got lots of cast iron uh, skillets and pots and pans, and uh, it's it looks interesting. I kind of want one. <laughs> I do. You know, I kind of do want one. Uh, but the thing is, is like. I don't know. I don't know enough about good cast iron. If ni- so, is is probably ninety. Is ninety bucks a lot for good cast iron? Because this I don't is think so. this is experimental cast iron here. This is like a well. Boy, it'd be great to have a light cast iron in the RV, though. Give some of the stats there, though. I think that, I, I almost think I. Yeah, I no, would up, this up up. So oh, yeah, they right, only no, wanted to raise eighty thousand. They it? want thirty thousand, and they've raised oh. three hundred. Right, I always do this. So they have two thousand six hundred twenty-seven backers. They wanted thirty thousand dollars, and they have raised three hundred thirty-two thousand seven hundred ninety-five with twenty-two days to go. That's a lot of people that know cast iron, <laughs> or don't have. Go or ahead, or a lot free. of people that don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> since since cast iron can last, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy years, you could pay sixty dollars for a new one. Or you could go down to a garage sale and buy one for five dollars and just polish it up yourself. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although uh, there is some legitimacy to having a lighter cast iron and smaller, because we have a big one. Uh, I just mean specifically in the RV because I have very limited space, and when something's hefty like that, it's that's no good. I'm going to log in. I'm going to I'm going to think about it. I'm, I'm putting I'm officially <laughs> logging in so I don't forget right now. I'm going to consider it because uh, I don't have any I don't have any nice. 
I don't have any nice pans right now at all, actually. Cook. What? What do you mean, what? Why should I cancel the one cook? Because it's going to come with like a $400 a month grocery charge. No, it uh, no, yes, I get it, do, it that's gets, just the subscription to the service. That's not the actual food. I know, I'm only going to I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get a subscription to the food. I'm just going to try it. I'll think about that's it. That's an expensive try. I'll look at do you know what do you know that's how much the uh, food subscription is? Is that uh, legit? Well, I can imagine. I mean, think about a normal $400 grocery is a lot. For a month, but and I bet it's like I bet it's like Blue Apron style pricing. We will see. We'll see. Yeah, I'll look. I'll see if they but have it. But it seems like if you're only going to make like one or two meals, then maybe we, maybe we should yeah. have paid $150 for a one cook. Well, I, well, I was going to see if people wanted to buy it or if uh-huh. I liked it, I was going to keep uh-huh. it. That was my mm-hmm. plan. I think it, you know. I don't think, I, I think. It's it takes, a collector's item. I think it takes just as much prep to do than just making the darn thing yourself. You don't know. I can't believe you're throwing. How many weeks ago did, did, <laughs> did I do the one cook? How many weeks ago? And I still haven't recorded that transaction in QuickBooks because I just, oh. Uh, so here's the thing, Ange, is, but you're okay with a $90 cast iron. I am. Interesting. <laughs> mm. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a $25 a week uh, service, it looks like. Yeah. That's so, for the service. That's not for food, guys. There's no service. That, well, that, the service it's, is the food. No, the service is a subscription to the menu and the ability to order the food. Are you sure? I am positive. All right, PTD. Dude, uh, how, do, how do you guys think that you can live like a month of food off of $25? How do you think they could? All right, I mean, like, well, look, what kind well, of look. quality food? Is this alien food? Is this, <laughs> is this all soy made? I, I, I mean, it was come future on. Food, future food from NASA. <laughs> future food. <laughs> this isn't astronaut food. Come on. Here's my thinking, though, is I, I try a couple of meals uh-huh. in it, and then I yeah. sell the thing. Yeah. Well, I actually uh-huh. I yeah. ask you to sell right. it. Right, because I was just going to say, because you sold everything. Like, I just cleaned out your office. You haven't sold well, anything. I'm telling you. I'm telling yeah. you. All you need to do is set up an eBay store, and I'll sell it. <laughs> I know, I know. I actually might work a page then, on that. Or get Noah, Noah is a shipping madman. Like, you yeah. like, no, like seriously, like, you're like, hey, Noah, I think we should ship this. And I go take a poop and I come back out. I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's where, here. where's the box? He's like, oh, I shipped it. <laughs> when, dude? I was just pooping. When did you not? Man, it's no big deal. I just shipped it. I'm like, funny. and for me, like, shipping something is like this inconceivable task. I like, know. <laughs> I know. I'm like about four steps above that, but I know how that feels because I used to feel that way. Yeah. Jeez. All right. So, anyways, uh, we'll have a link to the field skillet, which I actually might consider backing just because. Uh, what? This? Yeah. Yeah. Because weight does matter in the RV. Well, and I, I don't like have I don't have any pans. So, that might be kind of nice. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. But they're not that innovative. They're not that innovative. You, know, you, you don't think I'll think, think about it. Well, I think what they're claiming the innovation would be is a light a light cast iron skill that doesn't suck, I think is what they're claiming the innovation is. Don't you think? If that was something that people were cringing for that much, there will be competition already for it. Well, I'm so, sorry. So hmm. then the if okay, so then you're saying that just buy it, you could just buy it from the competition too. So that's still you could buy it. Yeah, but they wouldn't be the is, they wouldn't be a Kickstarter. It. You could oh, go buy it right now. I see. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's my that's my point. It's like for for it to be a Kickstarter and for be for it to be worth it, it has to be bring something new into the table that is not in the market and you're willing to wait for it. Here's my right? here's my pledge. Something that you need right now. Here's my pledge. Uh I I pledge to back it and then when it ships, I will go to, I won't buy them, but I will go shopping for other cast irons. <laughs> this this 
This is I so know. funny. I, because I'm, I'm putting it on record. I'm going <laughs> to put it on record. And I will no, compare you're going to shop after you buy it. Yes. To compare it. Because I'm curious how theirs compares. Okay. So I'm just going to, and you know, I've, I've obviously used cast iron before. So yeah. I, yeah. I know I know how yeah. to use and season it and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But I will go look at other cast irons and just look at weights and try to specifically find other lighter cast irons and look at those. And if this price is right, I might buy one to compare it. So, so let me make you a question. How many times have you taught that the, th- that the ones you used needed to be lighter? All the time. Well, for her, I know, I for, the one that we have is so heavy and it's too big. And that's where, yeah, it's that's a big where this one. is appealing because yeah. for me, uh, it, it's smaller and lighter. I, uh, I've, I don't often feel so, that way, but uh, carrying around a lot of heavy pots and pans in the drawers of the RV, that, uh, I do actually kind of, that, uh, that does resonate with me because I can't put a whole bunch of really heavy iron, uh, cast iron in there. No, I don't know. So in that sense, you can probably guess that who did that buy wasn't you, Ange, right? When you buy something and you're the one buying, you're the one that's going to mostly use it, you think about these things. Yes. So in the end of the day, probably Chris pick it up. I think I bought it on Amazon. You got it. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but See, I got exactly it. I got it. To cook. I cook some kick-ass meals. You can put them on the barbecue. It's really nice. Okay, so his, his point is that you make poor purchasing decisions. <laughs> <laughs> no, see. Thank you. <laughs> see, when, you, 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 when you say that, when you say that, people actually buy into that, and no, then I'm that joking. creates a whole bunch of problems for us. And then people are always. It's not. So, that's not actually true. It's not a bad purchasing decision to buy a large like, cast iron no, pan. No, it, it wasn't. I, I was just kidding. And he. That's not. What he I was just saying. Each individual ends up making a choice that it relates to them. And one thing or not, even when you're thinking about someone else, you end up thinking about how you would use it yourself. Mm-hmm. And assuming, so you find issues with the weight and you always thought of it, but that's mostly because you weren't the one picking it up in the first place. Because when you pick it up, you usually will try to see something that suits your usability of we, it. We could stash that big one here and do like some big cooking here. Yeah, we should. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Throw something in there, cook it up while the guys are here for Linux Fest. Yeah. Just put some random meat in there can and you, just. Can you cook lasagna in those things? Sure. You could cook anything in Rick there. Kai likes lasagna. I made a crazy, crazy, crazy good uh, Korean barbecue recipe in there. It was nuts. Huh. It was nuts. Because he just cooked for hours. Hmm. Oh, it was good. So, uh, all right. We'll link to that kicks. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm challenging you to use it at least once a week. Hey, just as otherwise not worth your money. Just as a quick follow up, uh, remember the Lucid Dreamer Kickstarter? Yes. Uh, Just following up on that, it only raised seven thousand dollars of their fifty thousand dollar goal, and it's grayed out. Yeah. So just as far as uh, I did, pledge forty nine dollars to that one. What? (laughs) Because I, cause I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere, but if I got one, come on, wouldn't you want to review? Wait. So did that? Do they refund it when that happens? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow! You wouldn't come on. You wouldn't want a review of the Lucid Dreamer on this show. Come on! No. <laughs> For those of you who don't remember, uh, it allows you to control your dreams through uh, vibrating your uh, dong dong <laughs> when you're dreaming. And I thought that's got to be. I just, I you know what? I knew that was never going to make it. 121 backers, and I'm number one. I'm number 21. Your there. profile. <laughs> <laughs> I put it over to 121. <laughs> oh, from 120. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, so okay. uh, we got a, we got a funky ending because uh, you know we were talking about the future of uh, of this there here uh, humanity and artificial intelligence. Remember that, Ange? We were talking yeah. about that earlier in the show. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Ange. Uh, turns out 
computers have been around for a while, and they're going to make our lives a lot better. Uh, and this, I, I am a sucker for these retro clips. It came in on the subreddit. I'm finding it right now. Here we go. This was from uh, uh, Vertendunda. Verduenda. Vertenduda. Vertenduda Duda. Uh, and it's a good one. It's from 1984. It's... Uh, a couple of minutes long, so I'll just play a couple of minutes of it, but it's uh, back in time to 1984. So we go from AlphaGo to 1984. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget about the subreddit, techtalktoday.reddit.com is where you can go to submit stories. Uh, Patreon.com slash today to support us and jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out when we do these shenanigans live. See you back here next week. With the assistance of the outside broadcast unit, we will be linking from the database studio to their home. Pat Green and Julian, welcome to Database. Hello, Jane. Hello, Jane. Now, Julian, I see you have your computer linked to the telephone line. Can you tell us how you did that? Yes, well, it's very simple, really. Um, the telephone is connected to the telephone network with a British Telecom plug, and I simply remove the telephone jack from the telecom socket and plug it into this box here, the modem. I then take another wire from the modem and plug it in where the telephone was. I can then switch on the modem and we're ready to go. Um, the computer's asking me if I want to log on, and it's now telling me to phone up the main press cell computer, which I will now do. Um, so it's a very simple connection to make. Extremely simple. Um, and I can actually leave the modem pl- plugged in once it's done that without affecting the telephone. I'm now waiting for the computer to answer me. It asks with a tone, and then I just flick a switch on the modem and replace the receiver. And... Things are starting to happen. Things are starting to happen. The press computer is now asking me to enter my own personal password, which I've now done, and it comes up with an, op- an opening screen. Now, Julian, can you tell me, what is Micronet? Well, Micronet basically is an area of Prestel that's specially designed for microcomputer users. It has a lot of facilities. It has a magazine-type page of what's new today, the daily news, reviews of the current software that's available. There's a letters page that people can write in. Um, there are programs available on Micronet that you can load directly down the phone line. Some of them are free, some of them you do have to pay for. Now, Pat, whose computer is it? Well, it's a cooperative, really. We all have a part share, but Julian and I mainly use it.